When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there and welcome to Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is a fantasy football scout weekly podcast brought to you by the Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back at the game week we've just played to assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's scout the game week. This week, I'm joined by Obey. Obey is known in the FPL community as FPL Milanista. Thanks so much for joining me today, Obey. How did game week five treat you? Hi, Sam. All is good. I think uh, it was a very decent week for me. I hit it my wild card this week. And uh, you know, when you when you play your wild card, it's, it's normally a difficult week for you as you'll have to look at the players you had in before and the players that you maybe tinkered with and the players you ended up with. Yep. So to end up the week with uh, 74 points was definitely good for me. I can say like, I can really give credit to Ismail Asar who maybe made the week <laughs> go awesome. And yeah, without him, I'd have been in the 50s probably. And my pre-wildcard team actually scored 59 points. So I'm like 15 points ahead of what I had before. Yeah. Which is amazing. Given that, yeah, my initial plan was always to play the wildcard by game week seven or eight. And yeah. um, then I started tinkering, you know, when you're... Uh, when you're right <laughs> alone, you want just to, to make awesome things in, in, in FPL. So you try to tinker with... I tried to see what I wanted to end up in game week seven and eight and thought that why not to hit the button right now? And with few transfers, I can really reach there. And you know all the all the bad things that happened last game week, like the Antonio red card, the Wilson injury for me. He was in my team. I wasn't too satisfied with double uh, Brighton defense. So I had to think a little bit. Luckily, I got some players like Rafina, Bamford and uh, Saar who made the week a little bit interesting. Yeah. I mean, I played my wild card last week as well. It did not go as well as yours because I didn't go Rafina and Sarah and Bamford. I kind of, I did actually do exactly the same thing that you did. And I had a pretty, a pretty average game week last week in game week four. And I remember sitting there on the Saturday when it had been dreadful because I was kind of saved by what happened later on in that game week, thinking I'm just going to have to wild card. 
And I looked at a draft that I would have done in game week seven, which was my original wildcard plan and thought, actually, it doesn't really look much different to the team I would create now. So I might as well go with it. But it just for me, it was one of those weeks where the players that I brought in just didn't either they didn't play or they didn't perform as I was hoping they would. I mean, I went Lukaku because I thought Spurs would do badly and, and they did. But he didn't return anything. And I had Greenwood, I had Jota. I went for the slightly more premium guys in the middle. And actually the right option was to go for the slightly cheaper one. So now I've kind of got some decisions to make ahead of game week seven. I'm planning, hopefully, to hold my nerve, roll through six, because my team looks really nice for this game week that I've got coming up. Of course it did. I've just wildcarded. So let's see what happens. But yeah, I, th- I think going into game week seven, I would really like to have a couple of transfers just to make sure that that team is is perfect. There was a couple of players that didn't come in this time because I'm waiting to see how they go in in six and then head into game week seven. So let's start this pod as always then by looking back on the game week that we've just played. Game week five was the first week of the season where the bench became really important. Up until this point, we haven't really had that. There were a number of injured players, you know, players that were, we knew were going to be out the likes of Callum Wilson the likes of Antonio, of course, because he was out through suspension. But then the list just kept getting bigger. So we had the news that Trent was going to miss out because he was ill, although not COVID, so that's positive, should be back for the next game. We then had Robertson missing out. We had Richarlison now injured. We had Torres miss out and sit on the bench the whole game. We had Reese James get benched for the whole game. And it was one of those weeks where it was like every game, it felt like, there was another player that was left out. I'm assuming that you managed to get a full team out, but what do we do now if we've got players like Reese James, if we've got players like Torres? Are they just too risky to stick with? Yeah, I did have 11 players at the end, but I definitely needed my bench, as you said. So I had, luckily, I had Duffy and Levermento joining oh. the team with five <laughs> points each. So it wasn't really a bad a bad time to use the bench. Mm. And, and it feels good because I was close from keeping Veltman, by the way, instead of Duffy. Like I, I had the 0.2 and then thought uh, I'll just keep them in the bank. I'll need them later on. So back to your question. Now for Torres particularly, um, when I hit with the wild card early in the week, I had Torres in my first draft. And I was really hoping that he will miss the Champions League game in order to keep him in my team. Then when he played the Champions League game, I was a bit hesitant. He played three games with Spain early this month. And he played all, started all games for City in like for the past three, four games. So I started to think that if, if he was going to be benched for one game, it's going to be Southampton because it's the easier, although they ended up drawing the game. Yeah. But after all, it was on paper the easier game from the, from the, like from the run. So I ended up saying, no, I'll just leave Torres out and just go for another cheaper mid. And that would allow me also to get Trees James. That was the other player mm-hmm. you just asked about in defense from now. Because one of my plans was to leave all Chelsea for the next two games and just jump on them when their yeah. fixtures get better. Then I thought, no, I'll just go for Reese James already. And then think of Lukaku and maybe the third Chelsea assets by game week seven or eight. So now I think Torres going forward is going to be a little bit more riskier because now Foden is back, KDB is back. Yeah. So the chances that he may set out is, is, is higher. But 
at that price, maybe he's worth the gamble. I mean, like if I was going to get a city player by game week, let's say eight when their fixtures turn, I think Torres is the one who's like mainly on my watch list for now. Yeah. Because other players are not even guaranteed to play like in front of him, and he's playing in the number nine role. So I think he's he's, he's still the best city budget option. I'm not going to compare with KDB because KDB is a different class. As for Reese James, I was really shocked to see him not start like yesterday. He played amazingly against Arsenal. And game week two, then he played a really, a really good half against Liverpool before he got sent off, and yeah. then he got rested because of the red card. So I thought he was like a definite starter. I still am happy to keep him because of the good run of games, and I think he, he'll be needed more in the easier games because of his attacking potential. So for now, no, definitely Reese James is going to stay for me, and I think he, he'll do well like over the course of like eight, ten games. Maybe he'll miss one or two more, but overall, he's a very attacking fullback. So we definitely stick with him. Yeah, I tend to agree with you actually. I mean, I I, I was equally surprised. I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday for all that game, and I saw the team sheet and thought with Kepa in goal rather than Mendy, I was fully expecting a really strong back line in front with Reese James part of that and they did put out a strong back line but I was I was surprised to see him miss out if you've gone with him you stick with him but it has made me now a little bit more cautious with how I invest in the Chelsea defence particularly because Rudiger seems to be pretty much nailed so as somebody that's not yet invested in the Chelsea defence and is looking to be by game week seven I am now wondering whether I risk there being less attacking returns. Although we did see Rudiger score against Spurs, but you know whether I just go with him instead because of the security of starts that we have. But the fear of missing out on Reese James if he goes mad with attacking returns is, is definitely real. And I guess this is probably a good way into talking about Chelsea generally because Mason Mount has been a popular FPL conversation over the last few weeks. Obviously missed out altogether in game week four much to most people's surprise including mine because I bought him in that week then he comes back in in game week five and gets subbed at half time and the sub I've got to say too cool it was a masterstroke from him it fundamentally changed the game and I guess it, it kind of proved a point to the Chelsea team that doesn't really matter who you are if I need to change it tactically to make sure we win the game I'll change it tactically to make sure we win the game. What do you think about Mason Mount as an FPL asset now? Should we be looking to invest in him? Because he was probably, alongside a defender and Lukaku, going to be the way that a lot of people look to treble up on Chelsea for that beautiful run of fixtures that they have. But is he a bit too risky now? I don't think it's it's for me. I've always wanted a double Chelsea defence with Lukaku mainly for that run. Definitely agree that Mount is a very good football player, let's say. Fantasy-wise, I'm always reluctant with him. Uh, I don't think he's too direct in his style of play. I mean, mm. like when I'm paying seven or, or eight million, I'd like the players like Jota, Greenwood, Torres, that we just discussed. Players that are like they have an eye for the goal and they just keep on take, taking shots, etc. Yeah, I know now with a, with a very good striker and Lukaku with him, I think he'll, he'll create a lot and he could be getting a lot of assists. But is he guaranteed to start now? What you I just asked now, I'll definitely say no. We've seen how he got subbed last night and... He could even miss out on, on certain games. And given that I already have James in my team, I think the safer option is to go Rudiger with, uh, with, yeah. with Lukaku now. And I think that's basically the plan for now. Yeah. And that does make a lot of sense because, you know, you talk about that Chelsea midfield and they've got a wealth of talent and some really quality players in there. You know, they've got Havertz. Werner seems to be playing a bit more in midfield whenever he comes into the game. There's obviously the likes of Ziyech and Pulisic as well. So, so many possible options for Tuchel that it does feel that they're a bit more risky. 
On the flip side, you've obviously got Lukaku, who blanked during game week five, but could so easily have returned in that second half, be it a goal or an assist, because his takedowns and controls of the ball and feeding it off to other members of his team was just phenomenal. Now, for a lot of people, they've either invested already or they've invested in Ronaldo and are worth thinking, come game week seven, I'll do the switch and I'll have Lukaku instead of Ronaldo. Now, of course, Ronaldo we'll talk about in a minute, but he's doing really well. So it's a bit more difficult. If you don't want to get rid of Ronaldo, can you sell Salah for him? How do you need to get Lukaku? I guess is what I'm asking. Is he absolutely essential from game week seven onwards? Well, Lukaku is amazing. Yeah, you're talking about a player who's been phenomenal for the last few seasons as a as a person who, who as a Milanista, who are always following the Italian league and Serie A. I knew how Lukaku is, can can make a lot of difference. He, he used to do magic magic magical stuff with Inter. Uh, they won the league after a lot of years where they were not even competing for that. So he's 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 an amazing player now. The Premier League is definitely more physical, but that's not something that he lacks at all. And yeah. with the space, I think, yeah, he's, he's going to make a lot of good things for. Now, how to get him is the question. You just described the scenario that I've been in now because I decided to go with Ronaldo and make the switch in game week seven. When I watched the Aston Villa Everton game, I was like questioning myself, why would I sell Ronaldo against that? Everton? I know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So instead of that, I just like maybe keep him and captain him. The Everton defense was really bad. So now the question is, do I need to sell Ronaldo to get Lukaku or can I get him in a different way? Salah is, is an FPL king, to be honest. I, I, I can't really see myself selling, selling him. No, I can't either. Yeah. And he, he, he seems to be just super consistent. So that's, that's really difficult to get a player as consistent as Salah. To be honest, I've been looking into ways of how, how can I get him. Maybe I'll need to save my transfer this week and then just make three transfers the following week with a minus four and try to shift things from like the 3-4-3 to the 4-4-2 or something. I, I really don't know yet. I'm just going to wait. He's not getting into my team for the City game, definitely. So right. just that and see how, how it goes in, in a couple of weeks. Maybe we've seen how things change very rapidly in, in FPL. So is he essential? I think for that run, he's, he's as close as it can be. Yeah, I even he, I even think he's, he's 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 a better option than Ronaldo for that yeah. six seven games run because of the fixtures. So if I had to sell Ronaldo, let it be. I'll sell him. I think. Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because at the moment I don't have Ronaldo, and I, oh goodness, I mean I must admit I spent every Manchester United game thinking, oh please let me just survive this game. It's it's a case of just getting through the ninety minutes without anything hurting too much. And yesterday, obviously during that game, I, I was travelling to Spurs and I knew he'd scored. And was kind of sat in the car thinking, oh, don't get any more. And actually, when I got to the end of the game and looked just before Spurs kicked off at what the, the final score was, and I thought, I've got away with one there. He's just got one and got no bonus points. But I won't get away with that every single week. That This is going to hurt not having him. But I couldn't, I can't bring myself to not have Salah. And I can't bring myself to not have Lukaku for this run of fixtures that Chelsea have. So I've sacrificed Ronaldo. But instead, I went with the double up of other players from Manchester United. And I've gone Luke Shaw and I've gone Mason Greenwood. And I guess I was trying to just protect myself a little bit. You can't cover Ronaldo. There's nothing that you can do that's going to cover Ronaldo's points. You just have to accept that if you don't own him, you don't get the points. 
But I was trying to cover it with, you know, could Greenwood get the assist? Could Luke Shaw get the assist? And we have seen that already. So I've gone with both of them, but they were both, again, a disappointment in game week five. So I'm now at the place where I'm obviously not going to take them out ahead of game week six and, and the Villa game. As you've mentioned already, they've got Everton at the game after and... I don't think you're going to take them out ahead of that. What do you think? Should we be investing in Manchester United other than Ronaldo? Or is it just you go Ronaldo? And if you don't go Ronaldo, don't bother at all. Well, I had Sean Greenwood from my, uh, in, in my initial team. Like I had them from game week one to four, then just dropped them on this wild card. Simply because for sure, I wasn't really convinced with the, with the way they, that United are defending. I haven't seen any resilience at the back. They have been shaky. Even in the Champions League game, they conceded two to a young boys. Hmm. So I wasn't really convinced that Shaw is going to be getting a lot of clean sheets. I know his attacking potential is still there. Yesterday against West Ham, he was taking corners from both sides. So he'll still get assists. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes with defenders, you need to find the one. Like Reese James will get assists. Trent will get assists. But they have higher chances of clean sheet as well. So that's a bonus. So you just yeah. go there. Even Semedo, the, the, the third defender in my team, he looked amazingly attacking in the previous three rounds just to play horribly bad against Brentford when we all got him. But we all invested, so, yeah. Uh, as for Greenwood, he, he did really well for me. I think uh, for the first four weeks, he returned in all, the, all of them. I just had to drop him because I think that he'll soon get rotated a little bit because Rashford is, is returning yeah. soon. Lingard is playing amazingly well when he's subbing in. So even we could see him replaced by Lingard for, for one game, maybe. And even if he starts the games, I don't think he's going to be a 90-minute player anymore. So, so he's no. always the first player to be subbed. I mean, I must admit, when I got Greenwood, I, I, I got him on the basis that I knew it was going to be a couple of weeks. And then I only really was bothered about a couple of weeks because in my head I was thinking, well, game week seven, I want to make three transfers anyway. I want to make sure I'm fully invested in Chelsea. I'm probably going to need to reduce somebody in that midfield bracket down to maybe a, a Saar or a Rafina just to free up some some additional money to upgrade elsewhere. So I kind of figured that, you know, for a couple of weeks, Greenwood might be a nice option because that would tie in with the Rashford return. And, and so losing him at that point would maybe feel okay but I'm now starting to wonder actually whether I've whether I've read it wrong and and Manchester United are are really you invest in Ronaldo because it's Ronaldo and he is brilliant and if you don't invest in Ronaldo then maybe there's better options in those other price brackets but let's see I mean I'm not going to get rid of them ahead of Villa I won't be getting rid of them ahead of of Everton so they can both stay for those weeks and then I'll work out who goes where after that let's have a quick word on Liverpool then because they put in a really good performance against actually a very impressive Crystal Palace side second game week in a row that I've been impressed by Crystal Palace Crystal Palace could actually count themselves really unlucky that they didn't score at Anfield on Saturday afternoon obviously we've already mentioned that Trent was out through illness which was unlucky for his owners nothing you can do about that Robertson there are members of the community that kind of chat about this Liverpool defence and how you invest and there was a lot of rhetoric about Trent's a lot of money do we spend 7.5 can we spend seven can we spend 6.5 on van dyke and cover the liverpool clean sheets you can't cover his attacking returns with those guys but could you cover the clean sheet obviously in this game if you had van dyke you've done 
phenomenally well mm. because he's played when the other two did and he's got the clean sheet and he's got the assist. So he has bolstered his his returns for the season. But I worry about Robertson. I think what we've seen with Simakas in these opening five weeks is, is a player that's very talented and can come in and do a job. And we've seen the confidence grow in him as well between game week one where he looked really tired by about 70 minutes against Norwich and was kind of clinging on until last week or this weekend we've just had where he looked confident, he played fully, he was, you know, up to speed with the Liverpool team. And I am somewhat concerned that around the Champions League, around the League Cup that we've got starting again, that we might just see Simicast getting some game time over Robertson. And I think you could potentially stick with Simicast, knowing he won't play every week and accepting that he won't play every week. But he's really cheap. So if you're happy to burn a spot, you could do that. But I think for me, the Liverpool defence, if you're investing, it has to be Trent. Would you agree? Definitely, yes. I don't think you can cover anything with Trent. For me, Trent is the... Even when we were discussing the, the getting Lukaku into the team without getting Ronaldo out, I don't think Trent is an option for me to... to no. be At that price, you don't really get... Like, you're almost guaranteed like a, a 200 points for that player. Even yeah. even more if now with Van Dijk back and with Alisson is in good form, I think clean sheets will be even more than the last season. Yeah. So, yeah, he scores a lot. He assists a lot. He attacks a lot. Yeah. He's like he's like a midfielder playing, uh, getting clean sheet points. So yeah. why would I get rid of him? And he's almost guaranteed to start. He doesn't have a Simicas who's challenging him for a spot. Exactly. So yeah. As for Robertson, I can argue that he had also the same issue with like with with Doris that he played three games for Scotland earlier this month. So he was really overwhelmed with games and he had an injury. Yeah. Like last. Year. So I think he he had to be rested for some game. Maybe Palace is an okay game for Klopp to rest his key players in. Although it was weird, like both Trent and Robertson are missing in the same Yeah, game. it surprised me that with Trent out ill, that he didn't play Robertson. I kind yeah. of thought he could have gone, okay, Robert, you're then going to play this week and I'll rest you against Brentford, which makes exactly. me wonder whether the injury is just still a bit niggly and maybe he just needed the week off then. Probably, yeah. Probably, I think that's that That was the case. And Semikas is doing well, as you said, yeah. But yeah. for me, I wouldn't keep like Semikas and my team just for like, as you said, we've seen this week that we needed uh, our bench to cover. Yeah. So when you have Simicast, most of the times he won't be there to cover you. So you'll be lucky to just hit a game every maybe six, seven games, ten games. We, we don't know when will he play, when will, will he be rested. Yeah, I'd rather go for uh, like a nailed on Leverment yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Quick word on Aston Villa, I think, before we move on to look at game week six, because I was surprised by this result. And actually, when you look to the XG from this game, they were both so low. So when you see the final score is, is 3-0 to Villa, it was a bit of a shock. Leon Bailey came on and in the 20 minutes that he played, impressed me more than most other players have impressed me in the first five game weeks of the season. He was exciting he obviously scored a goal he got an assist he got bonus point and then he got injured again and it was like oh goodness you just can't get any luck now we don't know the extent of his thigh injury we don't know how bad it is but I think it's 6.4 million he is somebody that is going to be on my radar of players that I'm watching because one is going to be a huge differential two Aston Villa seem to be able to score goals from no xg they just seem to pull it out of nowhere so if he's not injured for a long period of time if it's just a thigh niggle and you know he's back relatively quickly in game week six and maybe game week seven is he somebody that you think could be a good option for FPL managers he is yeah I know Leon Bailey from the Bundesliga last season and the season before I've 
seen some games for him with Leverkusen. He's a really good player. He has an eye for the goal. That's the kind of direct players that I was just mentioning earlier on. Mm. So he's definitely one on my radar. Now, you, you just mentioned that he got injured. And if you look at the fixtures, I think for Aston Villa, they're still really bad. I think they yeah, they are. Still, they're not great. Uh, yeah, three away games against top clubs in the next four or something. Yeah, yeah. so Aston Villa's fixtures over the next few weeks are they have Manchester United in game week six, followed by Spurs in seven, then Wolves, Arsenal and West Ham between eight and ten. Yeah. So well, yeah, they aren't the ideal. Are not really good, yeah. So I think I'll wait, I'll wait on him and see if he can return from the injury first and, and keep that kind of form for a few, few weeks. Can, he can be an easy sub for Sar for me because Sar has like now three lovely games. And that's why I got him in my wild card. I thought like if Watford were going to do anything this season, they had to do it against Norwich, Newcastle, and Leeds, like mm-hmm. three of the weakest defenses. So I brought Sar for those three games. If if um, if Bailey was hitting against even the top clubs, I think that's an easy move. Definitely on my radar. Yes. Yeah, um, and then from the flip side of that game, of course, there was Everton. <sighs> Honestly, I mean, I know that they're without Dominic Calvert-Lewin and I know that they were also then without Richarlison. And, and now we know, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was two to three weeks. Richarlison is out as well. <laughs> is there any justification in sticking with these Everton players? I mean, I owned Luca Dean until the wild card, and he was the very first player that exited stage mm-hmm. right on my wild card, And I couldn't wait to sell him because... I brought him in in pre-season, fully expecting Everton to do what they did at the beginning of last season, but under Benitez be defensively solid. I expected Luca Dean to be providing the set pieces and the crosses in that would land on Dominic Calvert-Lewin's head that would score a goal for Everton because the fixtures were great. And instead, Mm -hmm. we've just had no clean sheets, really. Well, we've had one. We've had no attacking threat from Luca Dean unless it's scoring an own goal in, in game week five. So it was pretty much a disaster. I mean, he conceded three goals. He got this own goal. He got minus one for anybody that stayed loyal. You must be happy that you avoided the minus one now then. Yeah, oh, I'm delighted. Yeah, I'm, I must admit, honestly, we were we were driving back. We'd been to Liverpool on Saturday to watch the game against Palace and we were driving home. And we had this game on the radio. And when Luca Dean scored that goal, the wave of relief that came over me, because the XG stats for both sides were so bad that I thought this could easily just be a nil-nil draw here. And I could have taken Luca Dean out the week that he actually brings a clean sheet. So when he not only didn't keep a clean sheet, but scored an own goal, I was so that's probably the only good fancy decision I made as part of my wild card was to take him out. But I'm, a, I mean, I'm looking at Everton and I'm thinking it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about, you know, having multiple Everton players. We were talking about Dean. We were talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. People were going with Richarlison. We were talking about um, Gray. We were talking about Townsend. We were talking, you know, all of these, Decore, all of these players. I have mm-hmm. got Damari Gray as part of my wild card. I'm not overly concerned about him because at his price point... And he has knowledge at home now. It's the dream fixture of any, any team. So, yeah, it's it's the right time to own him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hope that Everton just bounce back in a way and and, and just get going and, and start scoring. Uh, I wasn't impressed at all, as you said, in that game, the Aston Villa game. And uh, even the Burnley game, like, I watched it and... They were okay, but uh, if you, I don't know if you remember, they scored their like three goals within like five or six minutes. So they did, yeah. Bernie they were Clapp. really dull. All, yeah, the first half was really. They, they were not really too exciting to watch. 
And then I don't know what happened to Everton. Uh, sorry to Burnley. They just conceded a lot of mm. goals and then we just got shut off. So for me, I'm I'm not interested like in any Everton player. Although I, I, I totally understand if anyone has Luka Dean or Gray or any of their players, you'll definitely have to keep them and play them against Norwich. Well, yeah, That's, I mean, I do feel like I'm in that trap now with, with them because, you know, obviously I sold Luka Dean, but I, I got Gray. I thought... I got in for these couple of fixtures. I thought, you know, Aston Villa, they've been a bit off it. They've been sometimes really good, sometimes not. So who knows what kind of game we're going to get there. But then, as you mentioned, next up for for Everton, it's Norwich. And I thought for a two-game punt given again, I'm going to want to make three changes going into game week seven. It makes a lot of sense to go with Gray. He's in good form. And it was a choice between Gray and Townsend and Decore, and I plump with Gray. So I'll be sticking with him for this one, but probably beyond that Norwich game, I can't see me. I can't see me staying loyal to him for that much longer. Right then, let's turn our attention to game week six. There's a huge fixture in this week between Chelsea and Manchester City. What are your thoughts on how this one's going to pan out and how are you going to manage your FPL investment? Because for a lot of FPL managers, they'll be invested in Chelsea ahead of this nice one that they've got coming up, whether that's a defender or Lukaku. And a lot of players are invested in Man City again, whether that's a defender, whether it's Torres, they tend to be the popular ones there, maybe some Grealish owners out there too. How do you manage your FPL investments? Do you just go, I've got a premium player here in my City player slash uh, Chelsea player and I just play them whatever? Or do you bench them? No, I don't think you'll bench such players. Yeah, you'll just play them and hope for the best. I mean, <laughs> you, you don't, yeah, you, you shouldn't expect a lot from them. You already knew that they are going to face each other th- this mm-hmm. round. So it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting game. I think yeah, like it's a game between the two teams that have conceded only one goal each so yep. far. I can see it be like a low, low affair game. No, no, not lots of goals in it. But uh, you never know with these games. So Chelsea have been outstanding this season. They have seen, shown some character on field that is really impressive. They had one of the d- difficult fixture runs to, to kick off the season, and now they're yeah. sitting top. But again, if if any team in the league has the the firepower, has the attack to really exploit that Chelsea defense, it's going to be Man City. It'll be an interesting game. If you have Lukaku, if you have Torres, you definitely, I think, you'll start them. I'm not even against the idea of starting a fullback. If you have like Cancelo, James, you may just also They've got play potential them. to get attacking returns, right? Even if the clean sheet goes, you could easily get some attacking returns yeah. out of Cancelo, out of Reese James. Exactly, yeah. That, that's if, if they play as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah. of course. For me, like in my team, it's between Reese James and Duffy now. I think I'm... The, for now, it's Reese James who's in, but I may just make the switch for Duffy, who has like a little bit extra chance of clean sheets. I don't see that like much in it, to be honest. Yeah, okay. As you but- said, like attacking potential for these players can can make up. Uh, even if Chelsea can see them, Reese James get, get get an assist. That's like five points, which is really good in exactly. such games. Yeah, yeah. And, and and like you say, there there is a chance. I mean, I look at this fixture and think. There's a chance this plays out a nil-nil draw this game yeah. because they could easily check each other out here, or it could be that one of them, you know, Chelsea have definitely got the attacking uh, goal scorer of choice in this game. So, but then Man City have got a very good defence and they've been very, very solid over this early part of the season. And, and actually, that's one part of the the pitch that Pep hasn't tinkered with too much. They have got injuries defensively though, and and they could exploit those not normal starters, if you like. We saw Ake starting last week, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. That'll be a place where Chelsea try 
and manipulate and try and get joy down there a bit like Spurs did in the opening fixture of the season that was the the side that they kind of tried to attack so I guess we'll have to wait and see how that one pans out for me I, I agree with you I think if you own a player in this it's very difficult the Duffy question is an interesting one though because Duffy or Reese James I mean Duffy's got Palace so on paper he's got a much nicer fixture more chance of a clean sheet but you just know that Reese James's potential upside is so good if he starts that I wouldn't want to risk leaving that on my bench. Definitely. Yeah, it could easily end up like 1-0 for Chelsea. Reese James yeah. scoring the goal and like 15 points on the bench. <laughs> that, <that'll be> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could easily happen, couldn't it? And then going into game week seven when we're all kind of going, let's play it safe and get Rudiger. We're all now going, oh, but I'll get Reese James. And, and you can see it kind of going all toys out of the pan when people try and work out how to get him in now I wanted to ask you if you were free hitting this week what three key players would you be investing in going into game week six Ronaldo definitely <laughs> uh, Salah and I think the third one would be Fernandez. maybe people won't agree but uh, I think it's it's a free hit so it's just one game punt like against West Ham he hit the post he should have gotten the assist for Ronaldo's first goal if Ronaldo scored from the first attempt, like he just scrambled it and like, mm. Fabianski saved it. So I still think that, but again, that's for unlimited funds. Like I, I don't think he's worth the 12 million tag now. But if, if you're just telling me who would you think the three top scorers would be this week, I'll just go with those three. I can see a lot of goals for United in this game, particularly. I'm not too convinced with Mings and Konstant as a centre-back pairing now. Ronaldo is too active. He's shooting from everywhere. He's going to... He was very close from getting also two penalties last game. That's why you, you should also consider yourself lucky that you don't have him. He could have easily gotten like a 14 points. So I think, yeah, I'll, I'll go all in on United for this game. And Salah has, as I said, like uh, mm-hmm. Salah has Salah. You always back him. If he's not injured, if he's fit, he's going to return something. People are really uh, uh, talking about Brentford's defensive display and that they have been really solid at the back. For me, I, I think that they haven't been tested really yet. So they haven't played any game against the top team. Arsenal, the first game was in very bad shape. So we can't count that as a game. Will they be able to stop the, the, the Liverpool attack? I really doubt it. So I mm. think there will be goals also for Liverpool. So those are the three. I don't see, I don't think you agree with me on the Fernandes pick, right? Well, I'm interested actually by the Flanders pick because, so I totally agree with you on, on Salah and Ronaldo. And, and Salah, I, I did some research earlier for an article I was writing. Salah averages 8.46 points per game against newly promoted sides. So I can't see anything other than Salah doing really well in that game. And I can't look beyond him as a captaincy option for this week. Even with Ronaldo doing what he's doing, I, can't, I just can't look beyond Salah against Brentford. Ronaldo obviously looks like a great pick. He's been on brilliant form since he's arrived back at Manchester United he's scored in every game he's played they're creating opportunities for him at will he's because of the way that his games evolved since he was last in the Premier League because he's aged significantly and he's no longer this marauding midfielder instead he's this goal box hanging kind of poacher who gets up for the headers and and he's just in the right place at the right time all the time He's going to return points even against the best defences. I can still see him being in the goals. Fernandez is interesting because I absolutely love Bruno Fernandez. I think he is one of the best footballers that I have watched in recent years. He is supremely talented. His reading of the game is, is unbelievable. The balls that he is able to provide for his teammates are, are phenomenal. The goals that he is able to score are just sublime. I love everything about him, but 
the arrival of Ronaldo has tampered my FPL enthusiasm for him. And it's not really necessarily any fault of Bruno's. I think it just means that the way that Manchester United are are playing and the way that they're structurally shaping up in terms of their formation means that we are seeing players shifting slightly in their positions, ending in slightly different locations, if you like. Now, I agree with everything you said about Fernandes against West Ham. He was very unlucky. And if as non-owners, I was very lucky that he didn't get anything in that game. I just don't feel like we've seen the best of Bruno so far this season. Not in terms of his play, because I do think we've still been seeing brilliant performances. But FPL, we haven't seen that goal after goal after goal, points return after points return after points return. And, and that was the same at the end of last season as well. So it's not just Ronaldo's come and, and everything's changed. Even if you look back, and I think I was a little bit blinded to the stats on Bruno in the early part of the season, because of course, looking back over the end of last season, he wasn't that good if you compare the stats back to prior parts of the season. Then of course, game week one happened and I was very glad that I'd invested in Bruno in the summer. And then I obviously had him for the other goal that he scored the other week. And, and I was pleased to own him for that because that was another worldie. But I don't know. If I was free hitting this week, I don't know that I would budget for for him either. But for like a one week point, I think he's, he's one of the best to, to just take to take your uh, Which is true. Yeah. Week. I mean, would be your third pick then? if I was going to go with another premium in that place, might be inclined to go Mane as a one-week punt against Brentford. He's been so wasteful. Like, I can't yeah. even begin to tell you how wasteful that man has been in the last few weeks. Because he's been missing a lot. And so if I was he's taking... missing all the Jota assists as well. Exactly, yeah. And I need the Jota assist points, right? So if I was going to take a chance on somebody this week, it might be him as a one-week punt, just because I think the fixture's really nice. Liverpool will go to attack in that game because that's what Liverpool do. And I could see Mane getting a bit more joy against that Brentford side than than I could maybe against some of the other fixtures that they've got coming up. So if it was a one-week punt, I might be inclined to, to double up with the two Liverpool premiums instead of the two United ones. But I think Liverpool and United are going to be the teams that are most people think they will score the most goals for this round. As I, I said, we're so. not, it seems like yeah, me and you are also agree that Brentford are not really that defensive unit that will not be penetrated by Liverpool. So that's definitely not the case for us. Even Trent is an option, by the way. We, we missed Trent. Yeah, Trent could yeah. really get... 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Ellie's at a rest. I know he's been ill, but mm-hmm. he's not had COVID. He's just, he's just been ill. We don't know what the illness was. He seems like he's going to be fine for the next week and, and he could absolutely run riot down that wing. I mean, I don't think that Brentford are bad defensively by any stretch, but I do agree with what you said before. I don't think they've really been challenged by a top, top quality side yet. And I'm mm-hmm. intrigued to see how that defence does cope when it's got Salah and Mane and Trent looming over them because that is very, very different to having an out-of-form Arsenal team, um, mm-hmm. an out-of-form Wolves attack, which has lost its potency. It's a very different kettle of fish to this, this Liverpool side that are coming to face them in game week six. What about a good differential then for this week? Because we've talked about these premiums. We could probably spend a load of time talking some more about Ronaldo and, and Salah and the benefits and the, the pros and cons of owning them. But a good differential for this week, somebody you think is being massively overlooked. I think I'll go with Luca Dean. 
to be honest, yeah, I think if I and to be honest, I, I had him in my mind. Like I thought that I really wanted Lukadin for this Norwich game. I, he can always surprise us with the with like a one pointer or like with an own goal, as you mentioned. <laughs> but like the upside is there. Yeah, when you're playing yeah. Norwich at home, yeah, there is every chance that you can like with his. He'll get his fair share of set pieces, corners. You'd, yeah, and Norwich, they, they seem to concede from anyone. It's difficult for Nicodine. <laughs> it is really difficult because everything about him, the way that Benitez manages defences in terms of his attacking potential and his route to points with set pieces, everything suggests that Luca Dean should be a good pick. And that's why I went with him in pre-season. And then every week, apart from the one clean sheet, I've sat there and been disappointed and frustrated with him because you're paying, you know, the same as you pay for Luke Shaw, same as you pay for these Chelsea defenders. And you're just not getting more than two points. And then he goes and scores an own goal. And it's very hard, even against Norwich. Would it surprise me to see Pookie score against Everton in game week six? I don't think it would. I don't think it would hugely surprise me because Everton defensively do have a wobble. So would it surprise me to see Pookie get something out of that game, even if it's a consolation goal? Yeah, yeah, that's possible as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, if they if they defend the way that they did against Villa and even Bigovic, I don't know if Bigford is back or not. Yeah, Bigovic was really bad. Like that Bailey shot shouldn't have been in at all. So they may concede. It's just like yeah, I got feeling that if I had. The choice to get Luca Dean just for this week and directly after that, yeah, yeah. don't want him for the United game next. But no, it's not. Yeah, I don't think I'm. 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 I'm too. Um, I'm in a rush to get any Everton player, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, we talked about the way that they have been playing. So if you have them, you just keep them and hope that they do something. But I don't mm. think it's it's worth uh, the transfer and because. Uh, Anything can happen. I wanted to say Richarlison, if he was uh, fit for this game, I would have said that yeah. he's the, really the, the differential for this game, the right differential. And even I was like considering him instead of Jimenez, it was like a last-minute decision between those two, especially I liked his, his, his two games, the Villa one and the Norwich. I'm not too lucky to have Jimenez, who really played very, uh, again. He, he disappointed against Brentford, mm. but uh, at least he's not injured. So <laughs> that's a bonus. Next round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Pickford's expected back on the 17th of October. So again, they're likely to go into this game with Begovic, which mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting for me. I think if I was going to pick out a differential for this week, I'd, I'd go Alan St. Maxman. Newcastle have had a very bad start and they've mm-hmm. obviously lost Callum Wilson. And there are a lot of issues at that club. But St. Maxman is just an unbelievable talent and I sat and watched that game against Leeds and it was basically Leeds versus Alison Maxman is basically what we saw on Friday night he was phenomenally good in a team that were average is how I would describe it he's going into a game this weekend against Watford who defensively haven't been as solid as I was expecting them to be on their return from the championship where they were excellent defensively and of course they've lost Batman and Foster's back in goal now which is great for us as FPL managers because he's super cheap so it's really nice to be able to do that but I just think that St Maximum is he's like on a one-man mission to keep Newcastle in the division. That's how it feels to me right now. Whether he can jolly his teammates along, but he is the sort of player that can get a goal from nothing. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. so I think if I was taking a one-week punt this week, 
I'd be looking at St Maximin. And, and actually, he is the sort of player you could hold beyond that because there's Wolves after that, Spurs Wall, let's see what they're doing in a couple of game weeks' time, and, and then Palace. So you could actually hold St Max longer than just this week. But this Watford game on paper, I think, looks really nice for him to be a good differential. They have a good run, yeah. I remember when I started the season with Wilson, it was like a, a long-term move. I wanted to keep him till the wild card in seven or eight. So I know that they have a really exciting uh, fixture list. Uh, but the issue is with, uh, with Sam Maximanis is injuries as well. You don't yeah. really, uh, yeah, you can't guarantee that he's going to stay fit for the whole season. If he stays fit, he's amazing. He's the, even the, the whole team, as you said, he's, he's, uh, he's doing everything for, for Newcastle. Yeah. And if they, they manage to get him and Callum Wilson at the same time, like for a long spell, I think they'll do well. They'll, they'll be long. fine. Yeah, mm. I don't think there'll even be a question of them going down if they've got those two fit and available for them for the majority yeah. of the season. But if they but, lose both of them, they're going to be in trouble. That's, yeah, that's the big question there. Yeah. All right, finally then, the all-important question, who is wearing your captain's armband this week? For now, I think I'm leaning towards Ronaldo, which you wouldn't like to hear. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, I'm just... Uh, but I'm expecting Ronaldo to have a heavy captaincy up. It's between week. them two, yeah. Definitely between them two. Uh, I think, and, and I honestly think that they both will return this week. And it's just a matter of you selecting the one that will return the most points. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Ronaldo. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, as a non-Ronaldo owner, and part of the reason I don't have Ronaldo this week is because I was only ever going to captain Salah against Brentford. So that's part of the reason I thought, well, I'm going to move on Lukaku earlier rather than hokey-coking around between the two of them. I do have the money to get Ronaldo mm-hmm. instead of Lukaku, but then it's a transfer I'm reversing again the week after. And, and could Lukaku score against City? Well, of course he could. So I'm just going to stick with it. Hide behind the sofa when Manchester United are playing and pray that it's Greenwood that gets the hat-trick and, and not Ronaldo. We'll just see. I mean, Ronaldo's stats against the lower sides when playing for Juventus were phenomenally good. and They weren't as good when playing against the real top quality opposition. So we aren't yet seeing him playing against the top opposition in the Premier League. So I'm kind of interested to wait and see on him whether he can return against Manchester City, against Chelsea, against Liverpool, or whether when he comes up against Van Dijk and Rudiger and Diaz, he is controlled better than he is being controlled at the moment by these clubs he's playing against. But I do think Ronaldo will be a good captaincy option this week, and I do think he'll be a popular one. I'm going with the Egyptian king. Fingers crossed that it goes well. Yeah, I think he'll he'll do well. So don't don't, don't I think you'll you'll be happy. <laughs> I don't know if as happy as 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 Ronaldo captain is, but you'll oh! be okay. <laughs> oh, let's see where we are next week. Brilliant, Obey, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me. That's it for this week's Scout the Game Week, and I will be back next week to look back on what happened in game week six, to see who was right in their captaincy decisions between Obey and I, whether it's Ronaldo, whether it's Salah, and I'll be looking ahead to game week seven. Green arrows, everyone.